Amen. You can have a seat. My name is Pastor Joe Marlin. I'm glad you're joining us this Sunday, this last Sunday of Advent. As our sister read, the, the week of love. And we remember that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus into this world. Amen. And we're going to take a break this week. We're going to take a break and from the study we've been in, in Hebrews, which I hope you've been loving. It's been challenging, deep, been getting a, a map uh, of the Old Testament, we're talking about priests and angels and prophets and, and all this stuff. And it sounds kind of out there, but it's actually deeply relevant to our lives. But because we're coming up on Christmas, I wanted to share with you something a little bit different tonight. And we're going to look in Luke chapter 2. So I'm going to give you a chance to turn there. You can also look it up online or it'll be right up on the screen for you if you're, if you're watching from home. So Luke chapter 2, starting verse 21, all the way to 40. When the eight days were complete for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of the purification according to the law of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice that's according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would see, he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what is customary under the law. Simeon took him up into his arms and praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And the sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. There was a prophetess, also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. 
She did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. And at that moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Let's give thanks to God. Amen. 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 So we're looking at this passage. We're looking at these two folks that have been waiting their whole life to see the baby Jesus. They bring the baby Jesus to the temple. He's getting circumcised. They're, they're, they're giving their offerings. And these two old folks come up and they just grab this baby up. And they just give glory to God and they worship God and they thank God for being able to see with their own eyes the salvation of Israel. I want to read for you a prayer from one of the great mystics of our day. And I'm talking about Ricky Bobby from the movie Talladega Nights. All right? Dear, I wish I made a slide for this, but I didn't. So you just have to read. I didn't know that it really deserved a slide, but. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn baby Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant, so cuddly and so uh, still omnipotent. We'd like to thank you for all the races we've won. The 21.2 million, love that money, that have accrued over the past season. Also due to a binding endorsements contract that stipulates I must mention Powerade at each grace. I just want to say that Powerade is delicious and it cools you off on a hot summer day. When we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry, thank you for all your power and all your grace. Dear baby God, amen. Now, if you haven't watched that movie, or if you watched that movie and you hated it, I'm sorry, that was like a drive-by, right? That was, and, but this is, a, this is the thing about the movie. It's something, it's a goofy, it's a comedy, and it's something that's intentionally strange, goofy, and also like this spirituality that's really shallow, right? And there's commercial endorsements in the prayer, and it's, it's funny, but it's like making fun of us and how sometimes we are, right? And, and this Christmas, I want to challenge us, does your memories, your feelings, your thought of Christmas... Is it superficial? Does it match up to the reality of the biblical story? Does it match up to the glory and the greatness and the truth and the reality of actually God breaking into history? God actually coming into a dark world to bring hope? Or is it some kind of like Hallmark card or precious moments painting that just kind of makes you feel magical inside, but has no relationship to real life. Maybe you had a crutch. We grew up, we had a crutch or, or a nativity. Um, and you put that in your house. And I remember being a little kid and playing with the baby Jesus <laughs> and, and, and all the things. And most of the things in the nativity are inaccurate and unbiblical. <laughs> I mean, there's pieces that are all biblical, but, but it wasn't like one night had like 
the shepherds, the wise men, the like it all happened in the same hour. That's not, it's not, it's not what we read. But nevertheless, this week is Christmas if you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> and it's easy to not see this year with COVID and all that's going on. But I, I want to encourage you tonight that Christmas is not about sentimentalism, but it's about salvation. Amen. And I just want to draw a few things from the text. And the first one is, I, w- I want you to notice the two turtle doves. You should be familiar with two turtle doves because, you know, you sing that song as fast as you can. Right? Like two turtle doves. And you just keep going and going and going, right? The 12 days of Christmas. And what was the point of the two turtle doves and the pigeons? What we're seeing here is that under the law of Moses, after a woman would give birth and have the child, she'd go to the temple and she'd make a sacrifice. Now the preferred sacrifice was a lamb. And we've been talking about this actually in the book of Hebrews, how the lamb was a sacrifice. We would put your hands on the head of the lamb and you'd confess your sins and your uncleanness, your sin, everything that was in your heart that was unclean and everything you had touched and seen that was unclean would be transferred from you to that spotless lamb. Now, the law of Moses had these different options. So, if you couldn't bring a lamb, you brought a bird. And if you couldn't bring a bird, you brought a a bag of flour. What we want to see here is that Joseph and Mary come to the temple. And they are poor, but they are honest. Do you hear me? They didn't come with that lamb. They couldn't. But they didn't bring that grain either. They brought that bird. And I want you to hear tonight that your offering is enough if it's an honest offering. You may say, like, I wish I had some different talent. I wish I had some different bank statement or a bank account at all. I wish I had health. I wish I had X, Y, and Z. And God is saying, listen, I am not just to be worshipped by those who have all this. And then everybody else is off the hook. Right? You are to give uh, to God what you have, not what you don't have. Don't be discouraged. God smiles in heaven when you come with that flower. God smiles in heaven when you come with that bird. God smiles in heaven when you come with that lamb. I've known so many people who were like waiting until they had like an impressive sacrifice before they would come to God. Do you hear me? As a pastor, I hear this all the time. Hey, pastor, I got to get my life right. You know, I just got to make a few moves. 
And what I want you to hear is that you can be in the middle of your shadiness. You can be in the middle of your mess. In the middle of you're driving around, no license. You should be working. You're doing this and that. And your life is super complicated. And I want you to know that God wants your flower. He wants your birds. (laughs) And I'm not talking mainly Or only about, hey, come to church and give money. I'm saying, God wants your time. God wants your heart. God wants you. What he wants from me and you is is an honest offering. Where we give. Not waiting to give because we want to be the man. Right? We want to be the man or the woman. We want to show up like we just did breakfast with Santa, right? Now it looked different this year. Like everything has. But we were, by God's grace, able to provide 100 kids something for Christmas. Something like 37 different families. Amen? Now when you come up and you didn't have a lot, like you want to be the one. You, you want to be the one. Like, like, my name is Joe Marlin. There's this, this guy in South Philly with a name that's similar to that that's connected, Right? Not Marlin, but Berlino, right? And what do they do? What, what, what does the, the mafia do? They come. And what do they do? They give the gifts. The kids come to the neighborhood. They're not getting cheesy gifts either. Amen? Xbox X. PlayStation 10. I know, I know. I got I got you. But you hear what I'm saying? We, we want to... We want to have an impressive offering. But listen to me, brothers and sisters. If the mother of Jesus was okay with just offering a pigeon, can't you come to church? Can't you praise him in your raggediness? Can't you worship him? Can't you say your prayers? Can't you do for him in your struggle? Don't don't let what you don't have stop you from giving what you do have amen the other thing i want us to look at is in verse 35 we have this this passage where simeon the prophet talking to mary and joseph he's looking at them he's saying it's going to be a sword this is the deliverer now everybody knew all the hebrew people knew that the, the Messiah was going to be a deliverer. They knew he was going to come with a sword. They knew he was going to change the status quo. He wasn't going to let the injustice continue to roll on. But he was going to let justice roll down like rivers. He knew and she knew every single Hebrew boy and girl growing up would hear stories of the Messiah who would bring dignity to God's people and, cap- and, and, and take them out of captivity, take them out of slavery, take them out of the thumb of the Romans. And sure enough, this old, this old man says, yeah, there's going to be a sword. But instead of it piercing the Romans... This sword is meant for piercing souls. And guess what, Mary? It's going to pierce your soul also. Now, 
this sword that pierced Mary, I can imagine that part of that was watching Jesus, her son, be beaten, watching her son be spit on, having the crown of thorns pressed into his brow, having the, the men strike him and tell him, mock him, say, who, who prophesied? Prophesy, who hit you? Who hit you? You're a man of God. Who hit you? Finally, hang him on a cross. And I'm sure that that's part of what the pain and part of what the piercing was. But when we look at the whole story, that's not the whole story. Okay, when we look at who Mary was, and we look at what the Bible teaches all of us are, and when we look at w- this in context, we have to come to the conclusion that, that Mary needed this son to be her savior too. That there was going to be thoughts and motivations that, that needed to be judged. And we learned a few weeks ago from Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is a double-edged sword. It's able to distinguish. It's able to discern. It's able to split up all of our motivations. We ourselves don't even know what makes us tick. Amen? I know. I've counseled so many people. It's like, it's like I don't even know half the time. You're telling me 10 different stories. I don't know who's the victim, who's not the victim. It's never that simple anyway. But you, you know how it is? It's like we don't even know our own heart's motivations. But when we read God's word, all of a sudden it's like, it's like, it's right there. It's opened up to us. And this is the kind of redeemer that Jesus would be. He'd be the kind that would bring a sword. He'd be the kind that would bring deliverance. And I want you to hear this, that deliverance in your life, and we learned this a few weeks ago when Pastor Joseph Bishop came, right? He talked about the, the, the demonic, talked about putting on the spiritual armor, talked about seeing deliverance from behind what's behind addiction and all that. Deliverance and healing are painful. It's like when you go and you need surgery, it doesn't tickle. They have a surgical knife. They're cutting things up, but they're not cutting you up to kill you, but to save your life. And... God is the type of deliverer who brings pain into your life. Do you hear me? Jesus is the type of Messiah who brings pain into your life, but he doesn't do it for no reason just to hurt you. It's the painful process of cutting out the cancer of sin and selfishness and your whole mentality of being a victim and your whole mentality of never going anywhere, never being anyone, never doing anything. And and Jesus wants to save you from that. He wants to cut all these things out of your life and it hurts it's painful it is painful and he and he had to do it to even his own mother he had to do it to his own mother now not that long ago there was a french lady um catherine labor it was i mean not that long ago, i mean like a couple hundred years ago so we're not talking like two thousand years ago it was long ago, but it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Amen? And she had a vision in her evening meditations. And um, 
The vision was of Mary. And this explosion happened after that. To look at Mary as someone who herself partners with Jesus to save you. And herself is sinless. Now, as a church, we work with all denominations. I am proud to be part of the ministerium, the good work that we do. We raise money for, uh, you, you know what I mean, good causes in town. We, we reach out, and um, we do not spend a ton of time and energy, and it doesn't thrill me to, to like, talk every week about what makes us different than other Christians. It's just not, that's not our energy, Amen. But as a preacher, when we look at God's word, I, I want to I help you. I, I, I want to be faithful, as faithful as God has called me to be faithful to tell you that when we look at Mary, we do not see her as this sinless person who works with Jesus to save you, who you should pray to, who you should lean on. Jesus is the only name under heaven by which we can be saved. And Mary had to look to Jesus I mean, to save her, amen? And so, here's the thing. There, there are some, there are some brothers and sisters who are deeply suspicious of anything called tradition or experience. Right? And I thank God in our church, like, a lot of people have had dreams. <laughs> a lot of people have had dreams and it's been extremely helpful, uh, a revelation of something that was about to happen, or some, a revelation about themselves, and a brother or a sister came alongside them, heard the dream, uh, encouraged them. We believe that God speaks through visions and dreams. We believe that God speaks through the prophetess and the prophet. We believe that God still intervenes, that it wasn't just 2,000 years ago that Jesus was born, Emmanuel, God with us. We believe that God's still with us, and he's operating, and he's intervening in our lives. Amen? But we also believe That you're not going to punk me on your vision, your dream, and tell me how something is, even if it was a long time ago, if it doesn't agree with this. Do you hear me? So we, we stack all of our experiences, traditions. We, we've been reading the Jesse trees. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's something to do. It's a, it's a, it's a, a thing we do as a church family. We don't have problem with traditions. We light candles. We don't have problem with traditions. But does it stand up under the word of God? You can tell me, brother, sister, you had this dream. You can tell me that God told you to do this and this. I'm willing to listen. But once it goes against God's word, I'm shutting off. Amen? And so we don't want to be like our brothers and sisters who we love, who are scared to death of any situation where God might come out of his box and mess with us and intervene right now. But we also, we also want to be discerning. And just because somebody had a vision, it's not what church they belong to. That's not the point. Does it stand up to the word of God? 
Amen. Amen. But more practically, <laughs> this sword is going to pierce you too. It's not just like, okay, we talked about Mary. <laughs> it's going to pierce you. It's going to pierce me. How does the Messiah bring a sword to your heart? See, in Christmas, we want escapism, not transformation. We want candlelight services, nostalgia, watch old movies. We want to escape. We want to shut off for a little bit. Amen? We want to pretend there was this golden time back when the whole community was together and it was beautiful. And if only we could rewind the clock. And yet we read in the word of God 2,000 years ago that Jesus was going to come and he was going to shake some stuff up. And there was going to be division in the community. It says in the word in Luke 2, it says he would be a stumbling block. He, 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 would, he would be a problem. Families would be divided. It's always been that way. He says he would be a revelation to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are the nations. That's me and you. We are here in Gloucester City. 2,000 plus years later. We're singing and talking in a language that didn't exist yet. Praising this little baby that was born. Because of this prophetic word. That Jesus would be a light to the nations. At Epiphany, we don't want to be the church for you, where, like, where you wished you would be. I, I've been to churches like this, where it's like, I know the people in the church. I know them from other circumstances of life. But when they come to church, it's like they hit play on their little recorder, and they have a totally different way of talking, acting, being, and it's like they come together, and church is a spot where they can gather together and pretend to be something they're not. We don't have to be a church like that. We can be a church for where you really are, because God is a God who comes to the poor. God is a God you can be honest with like Mary. Amen? Where you can't play and pretend like you got a lamb or borrow your neighbor's lamb and then be in debt for years to your neighbor. No, you just, just bring what you have. Amen? Just bring what you have. There's no one to impress. God loves you. You could be listening to this and feeling more financially secure than ever, but you still, you're like, this has been my best year. I know that sounds strange, but I've met people where this year has been good to them, even though with all the pandemic and everything like that, people got stocks, they're going crazy, there's all kinds of stuff happening, and there's always an opportunity in every situation, amen? And I, I need you to hear this, though. But when you come to God, you pour. I don't care how good things are going. You come to him in your need. You come to him broken. You come to him a sinner. I want to close with this. You know, we have Anna and Simeon. And if you're familiar with the Bible, there's always this emphasis on having two witnesses. It wasn't enough just to have one person say this or that. That's a good principle. 
and you're in a situation with your family, you're in a situation and there's some drama that goes down or something good that happens and you're not sure, is it, is it real or not? It's good to have more than one person's word. Amen? And so we have the testimony of these two folks who were just, they were waiting their whole life to hold baby Jesus. And the day he got circumcised, circumcised they grabbed him up and they blessed him. They waited their entire lives to see the salvation of their people. I want you to hear this. What did they see? Did they see a way of doing things, like a new way of doing things? They said their eyes have seen the salvation of Israel. The revelation to the nations. What did they say? saw a baby. They saw a person. They didn't see a religion. They didn't see a new religion. They didn't see nostalgia. They didn't see a bunch of old movies. They didn't see a vibe, an energy. They saw a person. And he's the one that you've been waiting for. Amen. Do you hear me? And as our sister Michelle read, God so loved the world that he, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I want you to know tonight that you don't have to wait anymore. You are not Simeon. You are not Anna. You are not just sitting around church waiting to see God. Jesus has come. You might be waiting to get the right partner in your life. You might be waiting for your body to be healed. You might be waiting for your mind to be right. You might have moments where you're waiting for your family situation to change or your financial situation to change. But can you just sit for now? It's Christmas. Can you sit for now? And praise God you don't have to wait for his son because all those things are not salvation. He has come and we're no longer in darkness We're no longer lost. We're no longer headed for hell. We're no longer just isolated people, but he's pulled us into this family. And even while we're still broken on this side of heaven, we have this church family that loves us and is there for us. So Mary and Joseph, they brought Jesus to the temple. And we read in the passage that it was the custom for the people of God to bring their firstborn Right? That's what the Israelites were told to do. Now, you have to understand, some of the neighboring communities in the olden days, they would take their firstborn and they would sacrifice them to these gods, these false gods. It seems kind of wild, right? That God would use the same language. He said, give me your firstborn. Now, written in the law, you could redeem your firstborn from the Lord, which is what everybody did. Amen? (laughs) You know what I mean? That was the grace of God. So you bring your firstborn son to the temple. You offer him to the priest. And then you redeem him back. Jesus was the only firstborn. And instead of him being offered to God, he was offered to us. 
we really did sacrifice him. And he really did die. And we've learned in Hebrews that he is both the high priest and the sacrifice. And this is the gift. This is the gift of Christmas. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for your word in Luke 2. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are so good to us, that you sent your son. Oh, Lord, while Anna and Simeon waited their whole lives to see Jesus, give us the eyes of faith to see we don't have to wait anymore. And you have come and you save us and you deliver us, and your word pierces our souls, and we thank you for that. Thank you for your heart surgery. Oh, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't fall into nostalgia, into emotionalism, sentimentalism, just trying to escape all these things of life. I pray that we would worship, we would lay ourselves down before this child who was born who is God and who saves our very souls. I pray, Father, that we would be in awe of you, all the fact that there was no way that we could have reached out to you. There was no way that we could have understood you. Our minds can't understand you, and yet you came down to us. Born of a family that couldn't even afford a lamb. Thank you for saving our souls.